The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Uh, so I want to get into the Word here. When we get into the Word, I always encourage uh, some note-taking. You're going to hear a few things that uh, we, we say on occasion uh, because they're worth repeating. Uh, you'll hear me talk about the value of repetition. Uh, in a, in a, an age where everyone is so hungry for revelation, it's, it's repetition that makes revelation a reality. Uh, so when you, when you hear something that maybe you've heard in previous messages, just know that the application fits for today and that we're going into a new and wonderful place today. So uh, I want to get into the Word this morning, talk about some things that uh, I think are important to, uh, to receive, to embrace, and to be able to cooperate with in the Word. Here's a few things to look forward to. One, uh, our identity, who we are. Now, the Word has a, a number of different uh, identities for us. They're all wonderful. I mean, we're the saints, the holy ones. You've got uh, incredible things. But there's uh, an identity that we'll see here in the Scripture that I think is often overlooked. Uh, in fact, there was a, a young man that I used to uh, uh, work with in another state in a church, and we would emphasize this identity uh, in, in every time we would come together because it was really necessary for him to, to have the right perspective in order to operate in his calling. I feel that about myself, and I feel that way about you as well. If we don't have this perspective, if we don't have this identity, uh, we're going to be a little lost throughout our Christianity. So I want to show you that in the Scripture. Another thing that we're going to find is why the Holy Spirit? I mean, when you read the Scripture and you, you understand the things that God's done on your behalf, I think it's very important to understand why. We had a, a really great message delivered last week uh, from uh, Doug Nealon. He brought a word that was burning in his heart concerning the gifts of the Holy Spirit and a, a stir, a call to, to pursue and to operate in those gifts. I want to I emphasize why, kind of the mechanics behind uh, those things in, in order to continue that anticipation in that pursuit. And then another thing that we're going to see is what we are enabled to do. What you've been enabled to do, what you've been equipped to do, what you've been called to do, however you choose to, uh, uh, to look at that from whichever angle. Uh, as we get into the Word, I want to just start off with the, uh, the, the who we are. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to open up to the book of Exodus. I want to look at Exodus chapter 19. Uh, we're going to look at verses 5 and 6. And we're going to move through uh, the word together. So we're answering the question, you know, who am I? Who are we as believers? Uh, we go to the book of Exodus chapter 19 beginning in verse 5. We're going to begin to find that answer. So Exodus 19 beginning in verse 5 reads like this. <clears throat> now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant... You shall be my own possession among all peoples, uh, for all of the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Uh, when we take that passage of Scripture and, and we identify what's being revealed here, uh, we come to the conclusion that God is, is identifying us. I mean, the statement concerning keeping his word and, and those things is, is important and valuable, but for the sake of where we're going with this, the emphasis lies on the identity that he places upon you. That throughout this, all of the earth is his, and by his choice and his decision, he has established you to be included in a kingdom of priests. So the kingdom is the kingdom, 
But what makes up the kingdom is the people in it, and the people in it, based on his description, are priests. It's very important for the believer to identify the priestly call upon your life, that God has called you to be a priest. Now, there's a lot of the, the mentality that we have here in the, in the church, especially in the West, that reserves that word for certain denominations like you know, the, the Catholic Church and, and other denominations that would use that identity for uh, high-ranking clergy. But the reality is every single believer who's called upon the name of the Lord has been uh, recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life and has been identified as a priest of the Most High God. It's a really interesting thing to, to confess, and I'm not asking you to say it out loud. I mean, we're, we're kind of few in number, and nobody likes to hear their own voice in public, so to speak. But it's a really powerful thing to confess. I'm a priest. I'm a priest of the Most High God. Uh, it's the, one of the things that you might hear if you were sitting in the truck with me, you know, and were observing me on a normal day going from A to B. There are times I'll just recite that. I'll remind myself and I'll stir in my spirit and my mentality who I am. I'm not just a Christian who has escaped the fires of hell and who managed to make a good choice and get his ticket punched for eternity in the midst of glory. I've been purchased with a price and I've been given a very powerful identity. I mean, the, the, the identity that I has been bestowed upon my life uh, contains a tremendous and wonderful, powerful call. And as we get into the scripture, we'll, we'll see more and more uh, what that is. Uh, I want to give you a, another passage of scripture here as it concerns priests and, and what, what identifies a priest. Now, keep in mind, as you're bought with a price, as you call upon the name of the Lord, you step into this calling to the kingdom of God, and that kingdom is a kingdom of priests. Consider that as we read here in Exodus, Exodus chapter 40. I want to begin in verse 13. So if you're taking notes, Exodus chapter 40, uh, beginning in verse 13. Exodus chapter 40, beginning in verse 13, it reads like this. You shall put holy garments on Aaron and anoint him to consecrate him, that he may minister as a priest to me. Now I'm going to keep reading, but I want to stop right there. Uh, sometimes we read through things and we assume that everyone is on the same page. Aaron is an individual who is existing with the people of Israel that God has identified for a role of being the high priest, a priestly role, a, a place of service in the, the tabernacle where there would be uh, uh, ministry activities taking place. Aaron has been identified as one who is called to facilitate or to carry out these activities that God would call into existence. So what we see here in Exodus 40 is God is saying, uh, take Aaron, put garments on him, anoint him and consecrate him or set him aside so that he may minister as a priest to me. He goes on to say, and then bring all of his sons and put, put the clothing on them and you will anoint them even as you have anointed their father that they may minister as priests to me and the anointing will qualify them for a perpetual priesthood throughout their generations. I mean, it's a bit of a mouthful, a mouthful excuse me. Saying perpetual priesthood is kind of something that feels like a tongue twister. But what you see here is that there's an identity being bestowed on these individuals that is not only something for them, but it is released through their lineage. This is something that is meant to be multiplied and, and carried on. And the thing that is given to identify them is the anointing. 
You will anoint them so that they will be set apart as priests. They will be identified as those who are qualified to function as a perpetual priesthood. Now this is is you and I through the means of, of the work of Jesus Christ and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in and on our lives. Hey, thank you for that. Just take that and, and set that aside, and we'll identify again what we're going to do with that when we close. So as we see the Scripture revealing to us how God has identified the priesthood in the days of old, so to speak, or in the past, we can ask ourselves, well, what does that mean for me today? I mean, I don't know that I'm related to Aaron. I don't know that I have any kind of a a bloodline connected to the people of Israel or or any connection. So how is it now that I'm a priest? Well, you, you can see in the Scripture, Jesus says it plainly in Matthew 12, 50. He says, anyone who does the will of my father is my brother or my sister. I mean, anyone who does the will of God is related to me. We're connected. We are, are, are together. We're part of the family of God. And in the book of Hebrews, you see that Jesus is identified as the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Any relation to him is to be in a priestly lineage. And then the wonderful thing that would set you apart, the wonderful thing that would consecrate and identify who you are to the rest of the world would be the anointing the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your life to seal and to identify you as part of a perpetual priesthood. A priesthood that is meant to continue and to move from one generation to the next. The anointing is a wonderful and powerful thing. I want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture here. One, I want to reveal that you have this in your life. I mean, There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no way around it. The Scripture makes no apology for this. Rather, the Scripture makes this as a declaration that you carry the anointing of God upon your life. Uh, 1 John 2, verse 20 reads like this. You have an anointing from the Holy One. I mean, what a, a plain and simple passage of Scripture. I want to read a passage from 2 Corinthians. It's from chapter 1. It's verse 21. And it reads like this. Now, God establishes us in Christ Jesus and anoints us and also sets us apart and seals us by giving us the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. That scripture is taken free from the surrounding context simply to establish that this is something that God does. This is something God does by the Holy Spirit. He sets us apart and identifies us by anointing us with the Holy Spirit. And that anointing is, is a wonderful and powerful thing. First uh, John chapter 2, verse 27 says this, that as for you, you have an anointing that you've received from God. And that anointing abides in you. That anointing dwells inside of you. That that is the anointing of the presence of Jesus Christ in and through your life by the presence of the Holy Spirit abiding uh, on your life. And so we come to the conclusion that the anointing of God is on us, and and the the reality is that becomes a very Christianese word. Uh, It's a word that we'll use in the church, but maybe we don't really understand what it means, and that's a real shame to me. When things become a part of our Christian vocabulary, but we don't stop to think about what they mean, uh, we position ourselves to to walk in ignorance. But I want to, to walk in wisdom and understanding, so I want to take the word anointing, And I want to define it. Now, 
oftentimes we turn to the dictionary for, for the definition of words. I want to give you my definition of the word anointing. So this is kind of a, a, the Preston's Dictionary, if you will. Uh, I'm not telling you that this is an absolute definition, but I want to offer it to you. This is how I define the word anointing when I see that I have an anointing on my life, when I see that you have an anointing on your life, and I see what the Scripture reveals that that means. I define anointing as God's ability as my enablement. God's ability as my enablement. Now, that might be a kind of a backwards way to say it. You can say it the other way, that I'm now enabled with God's ability. God's ability is my enablement. And I want you to consider a couple of things. I mean, uh, consider Jesus himself. Uh, uh, when you see him speak in Luke chapter 4, he, he reveals something really great and powerful. You see Jesus uh, functioning as, as a, a man of God, as a carpenter, uh, and then something happens in the ministry that God's called him to is launched, and you begin to see signs and wonders. The things that he reveals are the work of God through his life. There's a, a, a point of division where his life goes from being identified as a godly carpenter to being identified as a man who ministers the truth, the word of God, through signs and wonders and the power of miracles. That division is the anointing of the Holy Spirit on his life. As he's baptized and the Holy Spirit comes upon him and remains upon him, that anointing becomes a part of his life. Jesus then declares this from Luke chapter 4. I want to read from verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, I love the next word. I mean, the idea that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you is a wonderful, powerful, and comforting thing. But the, the next word to me reveals a, a lot of, of truth that needs to be embraced and understood. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. I mean, I stop right there and I realize that the reason for the Holy Spirit on my life, or the reason for the Holy Spirit upon the life of Jesus in this case, is about to be revealed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. Because he has anointed me. Because he's anointed me. And it goes on to speak of the things that he was anointed for, to preach the gospel. He's anointed me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the goodness or the favor of God. What Jesus is saying when he makes this declaration and he's fulfilling the prophetic word written in Isaiah, is he's saying, God has put his Holy Spirit upon me so that I can now be enabled with all of his abilities to do the following things. To preach the word of God with authority. To set free those who are captive with the power of the Holy Spirit. To bring sight to the blind uh, through the revelation of the wonders of God's truth. All of these things are executed and carried out, not through the abilities of a carpenter, but through the abilities of the Most High God. All being released through or becoming the enablement of a man. A human being just like you. And now the Holy Spirit upon your life, the anointing upon your life, setting you apart and identifying you as a priest just like Jesus so that you can have all of God's abilities as your enablement. When we face trials and issues and problems and when we see those things in the world and the people around us, we can know that we have been anointed to function in the ability of the Most High God. That we've been equipped and enabled with all of the things that transcend our abilities but make up His abilities which are without limit. 
and without any boundary. Absolutely infinite in their power. Becoming our enablement. It's a wonderful word, anointing. God's ability is my enablement. And we begin to see now what this reveals. I mean, as you see Jesus baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God coming upon his life, the anointing of God coming upon his life and remaining upon him, all to bring the ability of God as his enablement. We see how he's described from the outside. Now, I, I want this description to, to describe my life. I would hope that if you go to anywhere that I've ever been, anywhere I've ever lived, whether I've uh, dwelt there in ministry or whether I've dealt there in, in uh, a vocation that would be the marketplace or business, I would hope that this would be how it would be described. Uh, the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 38. It's a description of Jesus, and it's given by someone who witnessed from the outside. So this isn't Jesus speaking about himself, rather it's someone who's seen Jesus living as a priest, identified by the anointing, equipped and enabled with all of God's abilities, and this is how he's described from the outside. You know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he then went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. It's a really wonderful description. Acts 10, 38. I, I want that identity. I want that description. I would love in the end of my days for, for those who had witnessed my life to say, you know Preston Humphreys, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how then he went about doing good and, and, and healing and setting free all those who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. I mean, what a great passage of Scripture to lay claim to, to be able to, to call on, on the, the Word of God and, and, and see the prophetic fulfillment that just like Jesus, I can stand and say the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, because God has enabled me with His ability. God has placed His power within me so that I can do the things that He's called me to do. And so that when those who witness my life from the outside are asked to give an account or a description of what they've seen, they'd say, they'd say, we know Preston and how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power and how he then went about doing good and setting people free who were oppressed by the devil. What a wonderful thing. And all of this anointing is identifying you as a priest of the Most High God. Everything that God paid the highest price to build, to build a kingdom, a kingdom made up of priests. Priest being an individual who's identified by the anointing upon their life. The anointing being God's ability as your enablement. I'll give you a few passages of scripture uh, just to, to bear witness here of what God has done as he has shed the blood of Jesus for our, on our behalf and, and, and called us all to be united as one within his kingdom. That kingdom is not meant to be just a kingdom of Texans or, or a kingdom of Americans or even just a kingdom of human beings, but rather that is meant to be a kingdom of priests. Revelation 1, verses 5 and 6. To him who loves us and has released us from our sins by his own blood, He's made us to be a kingdom, priests to God the Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What a wonderful statement. 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 5. 
You also now are as living stones being built up, a spiritual house and a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus. Again, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, moving down to verse 9, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And I read again from uh, the book of Revelation, worthy are you to take the book and break its seals. It's speaking of Jesus. For you were slain in order to purchase for God with your own blood men from every tribe, tongue, and every nation. You've made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God and they will reign upon the earth. Pretty amazing, huh? I mean, it's, it's enough to make me want to stop seeing myself as simply a Christian and begin to see myself as a priest of the Most High God. And, and I'm not telling you there's anything wrong with identifying as a Christian. I think it's a wonderful way to identify what God's done on your behalf, that he's made you a disciple of Jesus Christ, that you're now just like Jesus in every way. And I would never frown on anyone identifying as a Christian. I, I do it myself. But I want to see why God has called me to Christianity. He's called me to Christianity because he's anointed me to be a priest. He's called me to be a Christian because he's anointed me to be a priest. He's given me all of his ability as my enablement so I can do the things that he's called me to do. So now then I ask the question, what does a priest do? If I've been anointed and set apart, if I've been identified as a priest all by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to do? I want to turn back to the Old Testament to reveal to you what the priests were asked to do by God. Uh, we'll go to the book of Numbers, uh, Numbers chapter 6. I mentioned to you that we were going to find out what we are enabled to do. Now remember, we're talking about God's ability as our enablement. Or by definition, we're calling that the anointing. Numbers chapter 6, I want to begin in verse 22. Now God is speaking here concerning Aaron. Aaron being the originally established high priest for the people of Israel. And we see that as God is speaking uh, to Moses about Aaron, he reveals some things that the priest is meant to do. Beginning in verse 22 of number 6, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons. Now remember, those are the priests, the ones that are identified by the anointing. And say to them, You shall bless the sons of Israel. That's what I've been called to do. Bless the people around me. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. And then he goes on to say this in verse 27. As it concerns priests. So the priests shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel and then I will bless them. Pretty interesting passage of scripture when you consider your identity as a priest. That there's this instruction in the end that I'm called as a priest to invoke the name of God upon those around me. And that will open up a door or be the catalyst for the blessing of God to function and operate. 
It begins to make sense now how I've been equipped to, to minister in the name of the Lord, that I've been called to invoke His name in the situation or circumstance that we might be faced with, and then that there ought to be an expectation for a result, or in this case, a better way to word it, the blessing of the Lord to be manifest. The priest shall invoke the name of the Lord, and then God shall release the blessing. I now know what my assignment is as a priest. I've been enabled with the ability to invoke the name of the Lord. Now, you'll go throughout the scripture. You can see the banners around the room here. These are just a few of them. But you can see the names that God's revealed in the scripture, not because he has multiple personalities, but because these, these are the things that make up who he is. He is our healer. He is our redeemer. He is our provider. He is present and near. He is the beginning and the end. These things make up who he is. Therefore, they become his identity or his name. But we, we go even a step further and we begin to understand why it's such a big deal that Jesus be named Jesus. Why can't our Messiah be named Jeff? But that, that the angel would come to Mary and say, now this is very important, his name shall be called Jesus. His name shall be called Yeshua. Because that name means the salvation of God. Now we have been equipped, we have been anointed as priests to invoke the name of the Lord and then expect the blessing to be manifest. And we have been equipped and we have been anointed to call upon the name of Jesus, the name above what? Every other name. That's right. Not just Jeff and Bob, but every single name. I mean, all of the names that have been revealed, all of these things that make up who God is, now God has revealed this in simplicity. Though there have been many names that you could invoke as my priests, I now offer you one name that is above all other names. Invoke the name Yeshua. Invoke the name above every other name. Call upon the name Jesus. Call upon my deliverance. Call upon my salvation. And expect great things. Expect the blessing to be released. I want to define a word, and we're closing with this. I mean, as we talk about being priests and what we're called to do, I want to define the word invoke, because it's not really a word that we use very often, but it's a word that we need to understand if we're going to understand what we've spoken of today. Now, this isn't the, the dictionary of Preston. Now we're going back to the dictionary of Webster, right? I mean, this is actually uh, uh, from the dictionary. To look up the word invoke, you're going to find this. To cite or appeal to someone or something as an authority for action or support. Now, in our case, you can scratch something. We're talking about someone. So when we invoke the name of Jesus, by definition, what we're doing is we're citing or appealing to him, Jesus, as an authority for action or support. Does it sound like ministry to you? That sounds like ministry to me. There's a situation where there is a need. We need action in this situation. We need support in this situation. So we call upon Jesus and we surrender to his authority in that situation and call upon him for action, call upon him for support. You're a priest, anointed and identified, called to invoke the name of your king, Jesus, 
into any situation or circumstance and fully expect that the blessing of God be manifest, that the authority, that the action, that the support that God would promise throughout his word be manifest on our behalf. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray over us. Don't make too much noise. <laughs> it's not the first time I've ever preached and you could hear a pin drop, but it's not for the right reason. <laughs> Maybe it is. You're a priest. You've been identified and set apart by the anointing. The anointing to identify who you are. I mean, as Paul would put it, to be, to be sealed, to be revealed to this world as one that belongs to your heavenly Father, purchased, bought, and paid for, for the purpose of being released to do the things that are pleasing to Him. And all of those things, if we are, are set free to execute in our own enablement, are, are way too great for us to perform. But as we begin to see the anointing that God has so richly poured out upon our life through Jesus, through the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, we begin to see very clearly that we have established on our lives His ability as our enablement for the anointing. I want to pray, I want to ask God to magnify our awareness of His anointing in our life. That we would hunger for the anointing, that we would pursue the presence of the anointing in the word to, to learn more about God's anointing, that we would uh, have all anxiety and fear shed from our life to practice the anointing of God, to begin to invoke the name Jesus with, with faith and with boldness, expecting to see the blessing of God manifest, the support and the action that we would call upon from the salvation of our God. There where you're at, I want to pray. You're welcome to be in a, an attitude of agreement or simply receiving, but I want to trust that God's at work in each one of us this morning. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for the anointing. We thank you for the identity that you've placed upon us. Let it prevail in our hearts and in our minds that you've called us to be a kingdom of priests. And let the seal that you've placed upon us by the Holy Ghost to be a perpetual priesthood unto you. Let it be magnified in our own eyes that we would begin to see who you've called us to be and how you've called us to function. We give you thanks that our names are recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. We give you thanks that we've been identified as Christians in this world. But let us embrace our identity as a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And let that holiness, let that identity as priests unto you begin to affect our attitudes and our actions, our perspectives. When we begin to see the issues that are facing us in this world and facing those around us, let us see the calling that you've placed upon us to invoke the name of Jesus. And let faith rise in our hearts to see your blessing magnified. We give you thanks that you've called us into the priesthood let that identity not only be academically received, but let it be put to practice. Ignite the fires in our hearts to see your ministry carried out. Renew our mind from any limitation and place in us the same zeal that would be in our King Jesus. 
to see your kingdom established, to see your kingdom expanded, to see your name glorified, to destroy the works of the devil. And let our identity in the end be just like Jesus. That this world would know those of Champions Church. That they were filled and anointed with power and the Holy Spirit and went about doing good things and setting free all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with them. Let us be the priests that you've anointed us to be and let any hindrance be laid down that we would take up our identity with zeal and we would begin to do the things pleasing to you as we know, believe, and trust that you have given your ability as our enablement in all things. We bless your name and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints declaring, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.